Good morning. Kids, do me a favor and come up here real quick before you go to Children's Church. Thought I'd change it up on you. Everybody's heading out the back. <laughs> Have a seat on the stage. I'm going to ask you a few questions. You're going to help me out this morning. All right, kids, let me ask you a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you got? A ballerina. Who else? Okay, that's good. What do you got? A mixed martial arts master. It's awesome. A fireman. Okay. Gregory? Nothing? That's okay. You're young. You'll figure it out. Anybody else? NFL player. That's awesome. Remember me. Clint Chambers. Anybody else? All right. Let me ask you this. Do you plan on getting married when you grow up? No. Yes, yes, no. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, let me ask you this. What do you uh, expect your husband or wife to be? How do you expect them to look? What kind of expectations do you have? What do you think they're going to look like? You haven't envisioned it yet? That's cool. Are they tall? Are they short? They're tiny. Okay. Okay, what, what kind of job do you want them to have? No job? That's a good one. That'd be nice. Homeschool your kids? That's a good job. <laughs> Anybody else? To be a teacher? Okay. What do you got? You want to be a painter? Cool. All right, that's good. That's good enough for my sermon. Let me pray, and then you all can go to Children's Church. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for allowing me to preach, God. Thank you for allowing me to speak to your people. Father, I pray you speak through me in spite of me, that you empty me out and fill me with your spirit, God. Speak through me. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Okay, now you can go. Yes, now it's good. Careful. Careful. Up here. Yeah, I don't want to jump up and down. All right. Thank you, my Vannas. Vanna White, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, today I want to talk about marriage. It's been a subject that's on my heart and is near and dear to me because I love marriage. Marriage is an amazing thing. And you're going to see later why marriage is so important. I'm coming through now. The thing is, all the guys in the room, now that I say marriage and we're talking about marriage, is they're kind of starting to shut down. Their brains are stopping to turn. Everything's starting to shut down. Because guys view marriage like women view cars. As long as it works, they don't care how it works, <laughs> right? How many of you have been driving around and your husband all of a sudden reaches over there and turns the radio down? You hear that? You hear that? And you're like, nope. Doo -doo -doo. <laughs> He's like, no, really, you drive, and i got to get in the back seat and find out what that noise is. 
<laughs> right? And you don't care just as long as it works, as long as it gets you from point A to point B, it doesn't matter. It could fall apart on the side of the road and, oh, well, we'll just get a new one. We'll just trade up. That's the way guys are. As long as the marriage is going smooth, we don't need to talk about it. You know, we don't need to focus on that. Let's just ignore it. But unlike that, hopefully you guys don't think that, well, if it's not going so well, then I'm just going to trade up. <laughs> After a while, the marriage will run into the ground and we'll just get a new one. I'll just trade up for a better model. Hopefully you guys aren't thinking that, Jonathan. But seriously, just think about it for a second. Because when you're in that car and it's making that noise, you don't really care. Guys are the same way. Whenever she tells you we need to talk, guys are just like, oh. We need to talk about the relationship or the marriage. Oh, what? I got to go somewhere real quick. You know, guys, just they kind of tune out. And guys, let me tell you right now, you're wrong. You shouldn't do that. You do need to talk about the marriage. Okay? And we're going to see why. Because I know as a guy, we take marriage for granted. And that's what these little signs are. We got desires and expectations. And the reason I ask the kids all those questions is because before we get married, we have these desires. And this is a desire. So we have these desires of what we want. We want a nice, pretty house. We want a white picket fence. We want, you know, the guy expects the wife to cook, or desires for a wife that will cook, desires that she will, you know, be nothing like his mother. She expects, or she desires for him to have a good job and provide for her. And You know, what happens a lot of the times is when you say, I do... All this stuff that was a desire and a God-given desire and a hope and a dream gets dumped into an expectation. I expect him to have a job now that we're married. I expect her to do the dishes. I expect her to cook. I expect to come home to a clean house. I expect this. I expect that. And It doesn't work that way. It needs to be over here in the desires. And what happens when you get a desires versus expectations, when it gets mixed over into here... You lose all kinds of intimacy and romance. When your marriage is going flat and you don't have the intimacy and the romance anymore, it's because it's becoming an expectation. You expect them to do something for you. And you know what your wife owes you or your husband owes you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You have to put everything back over here in the desire category. And if as a husband or a wife, you focus on finding out what your spouse desires, their hopes and their dreams, and you fulfill them before they become expectations, and you're working on them before they get moved over here, and you're moving them back over here to desires, that's when the romance and the intimacy shows back up in a marriage. Because it becomes a covenant versus contract. When you were dating... It was just a covenant back then. It's, you know, we've got hopes and dreams, and you're just talking about it, and it's all out here somewhere. But when you get married, for some reason, we turn it over into a contract. Well, remember you said you were going to do this, and you said you were going to do this. You said you were going to get a good job. When? You said we were going to be in a big house. I'm waiting, you know, that kind of stuff. And the thing is, that erodes the romance and the intimacy in a relationship. And marriage starts to fall apart. And it becomes, the way it works is it's like an arranged marriage versus a marriage that you enter into of your own free will. You know, an arranged marriage, eventually you can fall in love. Eventually something will show up. And that's the way this becomes. It becomes a contract and not a covenant. Whenever you have all these expectations that you're dumping on this person, 
who never asked for those expectations. You know, they didn't want that. They didn't need that. Because when you're dating, it's just a covenant back then. It's just an idea. Does that make sense? I hope. But the most important thing is, Jennifer owes me nothing. I should not expect anything from her. And the way this works is... Everybody turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5, starting in Is everybody there? I'm sorry, not Hebrews, Ephesians 5.21. Oh, my goodness. I was wondering why people were like, what did he say? Did he say something? <laughs> hmm. Wow, that was amazing right there. It's one of those mornings. <laughs> I guess that's what I get for David asking me to preach yesterday. <laughs> All right, Ephesians 5.21. Thought I'd see if everybody's awake. Good job, you passed the test. You actually care about your marriage. <laughs> All right, now that we're all on the same page in the same book, Ephesians 5.21. I don't know where Hebrews came from. 521, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, this is Paul's introduction to marriage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, I want you to see, it doesn't say submit to one another out of reverence to Jennifer. Submit to one another out of reverence to Clint. It says submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Okay, and that seems kind of weird. That seems kind of... You know, it would make sense to say, you know, you should submit to one another out of reverence to each other, out of respect for each other. Because submit means put my hopes, my desires, my wills, my expectations, put everything about me ahead, or put you ahead of all of my hopes and dreams. Put all of that to the side and put you first. That's what submission is. And you do that out of one another, do that to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, the way this works is let's have an imaginary conversation with God. You go to God and you tell him, God, you saved me. You've, you've redeemed me. You've made me a better person, hopefully. It depends on who you ask. I'm a better person. You've, you've redeemed me. What can I do for you? And God will tell you, submit to your spouse. That's what you can do for me. Live your life by submitting to your husband or your wife. Okay, God, is there something else I can do? Like maybe give 11% instead of 10%? Or go on a mission trip. No, no. God says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because out of his love for you and out of his love for me, he has decided to make your spouse an image of Christ. The way you see Christ is through your spouse. The way that 
that they see Christ is through you submitting to them and giving everything you have and putting them first in your marriage is a way for them to see Christ. Okay, and you would think that that's kind of counterculture here. It goes against what we're taught that, you know, it's me first, me first. I'm more important in this marriage. All I care about is me. But Christ says, if you care about me, you should put that other person first. Because when it came down to it, I put you first. And the way you can repay me by me dying for you and redeeming you and forgiving you is to redeem your spouse, to forgive them, to love them, to show them the same kind of love that I showed you. That's what I want. And this works not only in marriage. This is what's amazing. So if you're not married yet or don't plan on ever getting married like some of these kids or divorced or whatever, this works in every relationship. This is the way God wants us to relate to people on earth. He wants us to put them first. He wants us to show Christ through our actions and through our deeds and sacrifice ourselves. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands because they're the coolest person in the world. (laughs) exactly wives submit to your husbands because wait a minute I had some more good ones oh yeah because he's the smartest man ever right submit to your husbands because he's the only one that'll put up with you (laughs) no amens guys you will be sleeping on the couch tonight (laughs) all right seriously What does it say? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay? He's being consistent here. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Women should submit to their husbands as to the Lord. And that means you submit to your husband not because he deserves it, not because he's earned it, not because he's your husband, but because you submit to him because that's what the Lord wants you to do, as if you were submitting to the Lord. Your act of worship is submitting to your husband and giving him control because that's what the Lord wants you to do. That's how you show love to your husband. You submit everything you have and you stop you you stop moving or you start moving these expectations, you know, I expect him to do this. I expect him to not do this. And you start moving it over into desires and you start trying to find what he really desires and you meet his desires and his needs before they be, before you put them as expectations. And it's really difficult because we're human, and it's all about us. But Christ says in a marriage, and in order for it to work, in order for there to be intimacy, in order for there to be romance, in order for there to be something other than just an arrangement, you have to submit. You have to give up your will and your desires, what you want. And you have to try to find what they desire. Okay? Expectations do nothing but erode romance. It just takes everything out of it. It takes all the intimacy out of a marriage. And then, like I said, it just becomes a contract. If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. If you do this, I do this. You know, if you don't do this, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, one day it comes to, oh, she still hasn't emptied the dishwasher. I'll just put them in the sink and she'll get them. And then you move on, you know, or he keeps leaving his socks on the floor and you just move on. You know, you it just becomes expectations. And you know how you can tell when you're there, when you're at the expectation part of the marriage instead of the hopes and dreams and desires? Because there's no 
gratitude for what the other person does. You know, when the husband comes home from work, the wife doesn't say, honey, thank you for working hard today. I'm proud of you. You're the best provider. Even if he's not, it doesn't matter. You're the best provider that the Lord could have given me. You know, a husband comes home and he's like, honey, thanks. The house looks great. I see that you've worked hard today. I bet the kids were tough. Thank you for doing that. You're the best wife ever. Striking a chord over there. But seriously, when you stop thanking them for doing these menial tasks, these things that don't even really matter, when you stop thanking them, you're in this expectation. You just expect them to do it. Okay, and that's the easiest test. Husbands, go to your wives and thank them for the things that they do. Thank them constantly. Talk to them. Find out what their desires are, what they really want. And if you meet their desires, you are going to have an amazing, fulfilling marriage. And the same thing with the girls. If you want your husband to step up and be a man, start treating him like a man. Respect him. Put him first. Make sure he knows you're the most important person in his life. You know, marriage isn't about I, me, me, me. It's about Christ. And that's a huge responsibility that God's put on us. But the way that we show Christ to that person and the way that we are supposed to see Christ is through our spouse, through our husband, through our wife. You know, if I want to know what God looks like, all I have to do is look at Jennifer. If she wants to know what God looks like, all she has to do is look at me. And think about what kind of Christ you're being, what kind of person you're being in that marriage. What are they, how are they going to expect a relationship with God to not be broken when your marriage is broken? You know, it's really difficult, and it's a huge responsibility. I won't leave the guys out. 25. Husbands, love your wives because they deserve it. Now, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Just in case you forgot, how much did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. Your wife wants to know that she's the most important person in your life. She wants to know that you're willing to lay yourself down for her. That you're willing to give yourself up, give up everything that you have, everything you own, just to be with her. We have a few things here. Show her you're willing to lay down your life for her by making her your priority. And how do you do that? You put down your gadgets, okay, your iPhones, your iPods, whatever. You uh, turn off your sports, those of you who are ESPN fans. Won't say any names, but (laughs) there's a few of them out there. I'm not one of them. I'm safe on that one. This one might hurt a few people that I know. By uh, turning off the Xbox. Hmm? No? Seriously, by shutting down those things and paying attention to your wife, just letting her know that she's the most important thing in your life is going to change your marriage. Because as guys, we like to just ignore the marriage. We don't think we need to work on it. As long as it's working fine and there's not some huge flat tire in the marriage and it's not, blah, 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 blah. oh, man. <laughs> you know, think about it. It's kind of like when you pay the bills. 
you know, your, your electric company never sends you a letter. We just wanted to thank you today for uh, always paying your bills on time. And, uh, you know, we even closed a $50 gift card. Thanks. Now, when's the only time you hear from your uh, electric company? When something's wrong, when you're behind. You know, not only will they not send you, they'll send you letters, but after a little bit of not paying it, they're going to give you a personal phone call. <laughs> Hi there, Mr. Chambers. Why haven't you paid your electric bill? Have you ever noticed how that works? When they want to talk to you, they person calls, but when you want to talk to them, you're in, like, computer limbo for the rest of your life, <laughs> trying to get a hold of somebody. you got to press three. What? Boop. Oh, man. <laughs> right? But seriously, marriage is the same way with guys. Guys, they don't care as long as everything's going smooth. They think the whole marriage is smooth, but women, they like to talk about it. They like to know that they're the most important person in your life. And one thing that I want to do, that I want to start for us guys, is I want to start a Bible study. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Courageous, but it's an amazing movie. I want to start that Bible study for us, and I want us as men of this church to start to respect our wives and give them the honor and the glory that they deserve. I want us as men to start being Christ to our wife, the way God intended marriage to be. For the, our wives to look at us and see an image of Christ, not just every once in a while see a husband with a you know like a little Christian cross necklace, and you know not living the walk, not walking the walk, just talking the talk. I want us as men in this church to stand up and fight for our marriages, fight for our wives, show them that they are important. Okay, and ladies, gonna need your help. Force your husband to go. <laughs> Make him go. <laughs> Make him. Hold him accountable. Pray for him. Lift him up. And the only way a marriage will work is if you stop making yourself the most important person in the marriage. If you humble yourself and you just constantly do everything you can to meet their needs and their expectations. I mean, their, uh, what is the word here? Desires. Sorry, there's so many of them desires, their hopes, their dreams, if you start meeting that, no matter what they're doing for you, even if they're dumping everything on you as an expectation, even if they dump every bit of it on you as an expectation, if you start meeting their desires, meeting their hopes and their dreams, finding out what they're passionate about, becoming passionate about that, they're going to notice and they're going to start to change. God's going to work in them and it does take one of you to make this first step. It'd be great if both of you could, but more likely than not. It's just like when Christ decided, or when God decided he'd had enough with sin and he was going to put away with it. He made the first move. He stepped down out of heaven and made everything right. If you're going to truly be Christ in your relationship, one of you has to make the sacrifice. One of you has to step out and say, I'm willing to put you first. I'm willing to put you above myself. Okay, the only way a marriage will work is if you have, if you stop having two eyes and the two eyes become the cross because Christ died for you and he laid down his life for you. He put himself on the line. He put himself out there. He redeemed you. He forgave you for everything you've done and it's unconditional love. And that's what he asked in return. How do we love Christ? 
by loving our spouse the same way he loved us. And it's clear. And the amazing thing is, it's a mystery. And if we were to jump down, sorry, Jason, we totally have nothing for you. Uh, Verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also or must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, even Paul says this is a profound mystery and he's talking about marriage. This whole little section here, verse 21 through 33 is about marriage. He says it's a profound mystery that God chose to work through and reveal himself to us through our marriage. That's why God despises divorce. Because Christ never gave up on us. God never gave up on us. There was no point in our life where he said, that one's unredeemable. Can't do anything with that one. That one's just trash. There's never a point where God will say that. And if we're supposed to be Christ, if our marriage is an image of who Christ is and how he relates with us, that's why he hates divorce. That's why he despises it. Because he set it up as this image, this beautiful thing as a way for us to be intimate and close to God. And as Paul said, it's a mystery why he would do that. But he loved you enough not to leave you alone and not to be this distant, far-off God that we never can relate to or never understand. He put us together in a relationship, in a marriage, so that we can see who God is, so that we can feel his love, so that we may be complete in our marriage. That's why the two become one. It's one with Christ. Okay, if you're both trying to be Christ, then that's the same person. If you're both trying to be Christ, if I'm trying to be Christ to Jennifer and she's trying to be Christ to me, then it makes sense that we become one. We're both trying our best to be Christ. And that's an amazing relationship where there are no expectations, where there's nothing that I've put on you that shouldn't be on you, that you owe me nothing. And yet you still love me enough that you give me everything. It's the way with it's the same way with Christ. What does Christ owe us? Nothing. What did God ever owe us? Nothing. And we submit to him daily. And it's nothing for us to just say, you're God. You've done all this for me. I submit to you. According to this, it's how he intended for marriage to be. Is us to look at our spouse and submit to them and give them our all. So if you want to have a marriage that's going to last, if you want to have a marriage that's going to work, you've got to remove yourself from the equation. And I'm not telling you to become a submissive robot. Yes, master, whatever you want, master. Yes, master. No. You have hopes, and you have dreams, and you have desires, and every one of those are given to you by God. Is it a bad thing to want a husband that's going to provide for you? No. Is it a bad thing to want a wife who's going to provide for you by cooking and cleaning or whatever else there is doing that she needs to do, a job, raising kids. Is there anything wrong with wanting that as a husband? No. Those are God-given desires. It becomes wrong when for some reason we say, I do, and all of a sudden we dump them all over here in expectations. It's not a covenant anymore. It's a contract. 
it depends on how you treat me is how I'm going to treat you. And it's never going to work. That's not the way God intended marriage. God intended marriage for us to humble ourselves and submit to our spouse. And like I said earlier, it's the same way with every relationship. He wants us to be Christ to everyone. And so it's no wonder that he wants the same out of our marriage. And I'm not trying to make light of anything because I know marriage is tough. Marriage is hard. You know, when I tell you to submit to your husband, I'm sure there's a hundred stories you could tell me. You don't know my husband. You don't know how bad he is. You don't know how bad this is. You don't know how, you know, I mean, I got stories. The same thing with your wife, you know, submitting to her and giving her, laying down your life, sacrificing your life for your, your wife. You don't know my wife. You don't know how naggy she is. You don't know how horrible she is as a wife. You don't know how mean she is, you know, whatever. God doesn't care. God loves you completely, unconditionally. And if you want to be like Christ, if you want to be a Christian and you want to reflect his image, then you have to love them unconditionally. And like I said, I know it's rough and I know it's hard because it's a battle. Because you've got this conflict where you constantly, you want to stay in a marriage and you want your marriage to last and you want to have a good marriage. But you have this I complex where it's all about me. I want this. I expect this. I need this. You told me you were going to do this. And that's where the conflict comes from in a marriage. Is Christ intended it for it to be both of you submissive and giving everything, 100% of yourself to your spouse, no matter what they give back. Because they owe you nothing. You owe them everything. It's just like our relationship with Christ. He owed us nothing, but he laid down his life for us, and we, in turn, give him the respect and the submission and everything that he deserves back to him. Okay, marriage is an image of the way Christ loves us. It should be, and it needs to be if it's going to be a God-given uh, love that he has poured out on us. It's in a marriage, guys. I don't know how else to explain it other than it's an image of the way Christ loves us, the way God loves us. If you want a marriage to last and you want it to, to stand the test of times to, through the t- troubles and through all the bad stuff, you just got to submit. You got to love your spouse as the Lord loved you. That's the best I can do. Don't forget the uh, Bible study, ladies. Send your husbands. We're thinking about doing it Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, but that's not set in stone. If there's a better night that everybody can agree on, we'll do it. Because I want to reach as many men as I can. Like I said, once the men in the church... Yeah, you got a question? No? (laughs) But seriously, I want the men of the church to stand up and be courageous, just like in the movie. I want us to take our marriage seriously. I want us to be Christ in their life. I want it to look right. I don't want to distort the image that God intended for me to show the Jennifer. I don't want to be some monster when I should be a loving, caring husband. So ladies, pray about that. Convince your husband to go. Or boyfriend, or 
youth, if you would like to go, guys. One of these days you might get married. I don't know, Pierce. <laughs> it's kind of a tough one for you. It's a tall order. We can pray for you. <laughs> All right, seriously, I'll dismiss this in prayer. And Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us enough to not leave us alone. Thank you for loving us enough to send us an image of you and placing them in our life. God, thank you for Jennifer. Thank you for what she means to me. God, thank you for being in our relationship, in our marriage. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this community, Father. I pray that we can be a beacon in this community, that people will see you through us, that we will be an image of Christ to them, the hurting, the confused, the lonely. Father, that you pour out your love You pour it into us, so much so that it overflows into the people around us. Father, we can never thank you enough. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.